This is the show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is the show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. There are some stories out of the lives of saints that are so iconic that they're almost ubiquitous. We all know the story. And there's some good to this, but there's also a danger in this. The good is that as we hear the stories of the lives of the saints, we can be encouraged, we can draw strength, we can uh, get gain insight and, uh, and have strength to live out the life that we have because we know the saints have gone before us. Uh, the downside to it is that when we get so familiar with these stories, they can be almost mythologized. They enter into legendary status where they, they no longer have uh, a strong connection with where we are today. One of these stories that I think of when I think of these kind of quintessential iconic stories is the, uh, the story of St. Francis of Assisi. And we, we all have probably heard once or twice that um, in meditating on a cross, St. Francis heard the cross speak to him, the cross of San Damiano, uh, and it said, Francis, rise and rebuild my church, for as you see, it is in ruins. And, uh, and so he got up and he went out, and that was the beginning of his call um, I really, I have to tell you, I really identify with this story of St. Francis. And, and for me, uh, I, it, it really does touch close to home because of the, the realities of the story. Here he is, uh, dejected, a failure. He has tried to do a number of things and has done very poorly at them. And so in his, uh, in his pity party, almost, in his dejected state, he goes to the church and he sits down in this little chapel and he just kind of lays it all out and lays his heart bare and gazes at the cross. And And who knows how many days he's done this. Um, maybe, maybe somebody knows. Maybe it's written down and I just missed that part. But there he is and he's making this habit of going and sitting and just kind of being in this little chapel, gazing at the cross. And then he hears. The cross speaks to him. There in his meditation, as he has felt nothing but failure and nothing uh, good within himself, all of his efforts have come short. And there, as he's gazing at the cross, he hears the call of God. Francis, rise and rebuild my church. For look, it is in ruins. And so what does he do? He looks up, like physically looks up in the room that he's in. He looks up and he sees that this structure, this chapel that he's been praying in, it's falling apart. And so he thinks, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rebuild this church. And so if I, if I recall the story correctly, and there's always a chance that I don't, but if I recall the story correctly, he goes out and he begins selling off his father's things so that he can make enough money so that he can buy the materials that he needs so that he can rebuild this church. Well, of course, his dad gets upset with him and wants the money back. And then there's this whole family kerfluffle and he ends up kind of just 
laying everything aside and throwing off all of his history and saying, I'm okay, God is my father now, and I'm going to go headlong into this obedience. And so now that he no longer has the resources of his father that he had before, he just starts to beg for the resources so that he can rebuild this church. So here we have just dogged determination that he's going to answer the call of God. Francis, rise, rebuild my church, for see, it is in ruins. And somewhere in this process, and this is why I really really identify with the story, somewhere in this process, he realizes that God isn't talking about the physical building of the chapel. God isn't really concerned, at least not in the long run, with whether or not this chapel is structurally sound. His call and his invitation to St. Francis are much larger. He doesn't want the physical building rebuilt. He wants life re-energized in the church of God, in the people of God, in the mission of evangelization, of the mission of living out that universal call to holiness. And so St. Francis pivots. He begins chasing now this new vision of rebuilding the church. And of course, the rest is history as the, the order, the Franciscan order is founded, uh, which still does so much good in the world today. There are a number of different books that you can read. Many of them are in the public domain about the life of St. Francis. One that I love is the um, the hagiography by G.K. Chesterton on the life of St. Francis of Assisi. And I encourage you to, to go and pick it up if you've never heard the story or never read through it more deeply than just that one little anecdote. Go and read the story in a way that will help you to identify and realize that St. Francis experienced many of the same frustrations and difficulties that we experience, the same interpersonal problems that we face, the same disappointments when we don't achieve our goals and the things that we've set out for ourselves to accomplish, our own feelings of inadequacy. St. Francis experienced these things. But there was something else that St. Francis experienced. He experienced the call of God to get out of himself to get beyond what his own expectations were, and to do something great for the kingdom of God, something that made a profound impact not only in his day when he was alive, but that has reverberated through history as his impact has been magnified through the work of the Franciscans and the Capuchins and all the other orders that came out of that initial work of grace in the life of St. Francis. And St. Francis is a saint for our day for a number of reasons. One, we can look around and see the crises that surround us. We see crises in our uh, interpersonal relationships. We see crises in our nation states. We see crises even within the church. And so the question is, how do we go about handling these? Well, just like St. Francis, if we try and pull up our our boots by our bootstraps and kind of buckle ourselves in and give it the old college try, we're going to experience the same kind of frustration and failure and difficulty that St. Francis experienced early in his life. I think for us, the pathway to success, the pathway to renewing all of these things that are crumbling 
is to follow that same path that St. Francis took. It's to get alone, to go and find a quiet space, and to meditate on the cross, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and not to get lost in machinations of how we're going to fix it, but rather to stop and to be still and to listen for the voice of Christ calling out our name and saying, rise and rebuild my church, for see, it is in ruins. It's when we hear the voice of God that then we have the ability to innovate, to make a difference in the place where we are. And here's what's really interesting, and what I find so very comforting about this life of St. Francis is that when St. Francis heard the voice of God, he heard it and interpreted it incorrectly. (laughs) And yet God didn't waste that misinterpretation, right? Through that process of misunderstanding the call of God and putting in that physical labor, he began to see the deeper picture that God was calling him to. Even in his failure to understand what God was calling him to, he found success. And here is where you and I can follow after his example to go into meditation, to spend time listening for the voice of God, looking at all of the disaster and crisis in our world and saying, you know what? I'm going to lay this down at the foot of the cross. I'm going to trust that God is the one who can bring this to pass. Not my own efforts, not my own opinions, not my own thoughts, not my own schemes, not even bringing my political influence to bear, none of that is going to make a difference in this world. But what will make a difference is for me to sit down and gaze at the cross and meditate and pray and listen for the voice of God, to hear where it is that he is calling me to act. For St. Francis, God had a very specific task in mind for him. For us, it's going to be different because we're not St. Francis. We don't live in his time. We don't live in his culture. But God has a call for you and I that only you and I can fulfill. He has a call that brings us to a place where we recognize how the world is falling apart and calls us to innovate, calls us to find through him the solution to the problems that our world faces today. As we explore this more deeply today, we're going to be talking with Matt Smith, who's the Director of Strategic Alliances for the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation. They're running the OSV Challenge right now. Dr. Smith, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Kale. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. So uh, we, we... Uh, we've had some of the OSV Challenge winners on the show before. We had Eden Invitation, uh, who won the challenge last year. Um, This year, you've got another OSV Innovation Challenge. And, you know, a lot of times when we think of innovation, we think of um, technological innovation, because that's what the, the... when when you see innovation on television shows or you hear people talk about it, that's generally what we think. But you're approaching innovation in a different way um, that I think is important for us to to consider, and that's this. All of us see things that are not right in the world. 
We see things that we think we can make better. We see problems. And in your um, in the, the trailer for the OSV Innovation Challenge, you mentioned St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who answered the challenge of providing schooling for, for girls. You, you, know, you look at the hospital systems that are, are ubiquitous around the United States, and those were the result of someone who had been baptized and received the sacraments, looking around and saying, here's a need, and as the baptized, I'm going to step into that and provide uh, a way for that to go forward. So we're really well-trained to see problems. Social media lets us express that all the time. But I don't know that we have been well-trained to be innovators. OSV Institute is stepping into that role to help foster that innovation. Tell me a little bit about that drive. Why is it that OSV is stepping up in this moment to encourage innovation? Well, T.L., go back a little bit. OSV has been around since 1915, and our founder was Archbishop Knoll, uh, at that time Bishop Knoll in Northeast Indiana, and he actually started the OSV newspaper. He bought a printing press for a dollar, and because he wanted to combat a lot of the anti-Catholic attitudes that were going on, and you know it grew into a national uh, publication, um, and OSV has always tried to be part of that media through curriculum, through newspapers, through uh, the web. Um, and so the OSV Institute, um, as we were known until 2021, January 1st, 2021, when we rebranded ourselves as the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation, to emphasize inf- innovation. And we had spent some time really thinking about our founders' charism. And it really was around innovation. And we had spent some time thinking about the fact that exactly what you articulated a few moments ago, that there were a number of problems a number of challenges in this modern world, and that we wanted to give the opportunity for those innovators, those entrepreneurs to come forward, have the opportunity, one, to get some capital to to accelerate, to launch their ideas, but also to start to build a tribe of of innovators, of entrepreneurs. And and that's one of the things I know that you had the Eden Invitation folks on. Um, And as, as we release testimonials about the challengers from last year, one of the things that they talk about is that they were able to to connect with others across the country that had solutions to problems that they saw, maybe different even invitation. There were technology uh, apps in the the 12 finalists. There were uh, uh, ministry programs. Uh, There was a discernment house. So, you know, a wide swath of innovative problem or innovative solutions to the problems that people saw. And again, all with the purpose of bringing people into the church to bringing people into Christ. You know, we, we, as the lay, as the baptized, we have received the graces of God. We've been baptized as priest, prophet, and king. Vatican II spent a lot of effort kind of articulating what does it mean to be the laity, the, the, uh, the, the force for uh, the body of Christ going forth and making change in the world. Uh, and I think that that there's a lot to be made of that, that we still haven't completely understood or appropriated. One of the things the pandemic has done for us is we've seen that just the mass is not enough, right? That's not the programs that the church has to offer for us internally. It's not enough Uh, to make a a change in the world. Each of us has to step into that charism. You talked about that into a charism and into a role as the baptized. 
But a lot of times we, uh, we sit here and we maybe daydream a little bit. We see a problem. We think we've got an idea, but then we start adding up the money and we start saying, adding up the time that we have available to us and saying, I could, I can never make that kind of sacrifice. I can never make that kind of change. I can never have that kind of influence. And I love what you're doing as OSV Institute saying, you know what? Keep dreaming and dream as if money wasn't an object. Dream as if you had capital to get started and just start with the question. If I had $100,000, what could I do to, to begin to alleviate this problem that I've identified? And that's really what you're offering. You're offering someone the opportunity uh, to dream a little bit harder and do more than just a Facebook post or a Twitter post uh, spouting an opinion about the problem, but really to get in and begin solving it. Yeah, and that, that's perfect. Is what we're trying to find is those passionate people that, that believe in a solution to a problem that they see in the world right now. And that passion is what will drive them. What we hope to do with the, the innovative innovation challenge is to bring those people together and to bar- provide a structure for them to make that idea a reality. So, yes, there is the prize money and there is capital that can come that way. But there's also an accelerator that the 20, 25 of the semifinalists will go through that will help them um, operationalize whatever idea they are. And, and we're really talking about, you know, it can be sort of the, you know, the uh, uh, cliched back of the napkin idea that somebody might have um, that they're trying to, to put into motion. But it can also be uh, what might be happening at um, a, a fairly state and solid institution that might think, you know, we'd love to try a new program, a new methodology, or develop a new technology, um, but never have the catalyst to do that. So it's really everything that you can imagine is we're trying to bring in those ideas. Last year for our 2020 challenge, we had about 350 applicants in the round one. Um, we're hoping to grow that. We're hoping that we have more. And we really, um, people will ask, well, you know, are you looking for innovation in technology? Are you looking for innovation in um, ministry? Are you looking for innovation in whatever? And really, we are looking for all those ideas. It can be, um, you know, from creative arts. It could be, you know, bringing people to Christ through truth and beauty, through music, through art. It can be in the Catholic schools, K through 12, higher education. It can be in diocesan programs. It can be technology. Um, there's just a whole wide range. And, and you sort of hit on early on, you know, innovation is, is built into the Catholic DNA. And one of the things that the president of our institute talks a lot about is this is really a time for Catholics to be on the offensive instead of the defensive. It's not, it's not so many people sometimes see, you know, oh, the Catholic church, it's about rules. It's about dogma. It's about structures. We want to also be on the offensive, show the beauty of the church and give people the opportunity to grow in that, bring them into the truth and beauty of the Catholic church through innovation. Do you have an idea? You're already kind of thinking about what that would look like for you. Go to osvchallenge.com right now, uh, or wait till the break. You can do that. Uh, Osvchallenge.com is the place where you put in your idea. So uh, I'm thinking back to this idea of the saints being innovators. And I'm looking at um, mother Teresa who Uh, didn't step into an existing thing. She stepped out and started something that no one else was doing. Uh, We often look at 
at our, our uh, institutions that we have set up. We look at the structure that the church already has of Catholic charities, of Catholic worker, of, um, uh, of the, the K through 12 schools. And we look at trying to maintain those institutions um, and to make them as effective as possible. And that's good. And there's some innovation that goes on there, but there's also a sense of what is the new thing? Because the, the church is ever ancient and ever new, right? What's the new thing that maybe God's tugging on your heart to do that will really do the good and solid work of sharing the gospel in in a new way to a new group of people, to a new culture, to a new reality, um, whether that be through preaching or whether that be through showing beauty or whether that be through caring for the, the, the needs of the community that we have right around us. I'm really just, I want to maybe explore this, this idea of innovation more broadly. So when you think of innovation, maybe what are some of your favorite innovations over history or that you've seen recently in, uh, in the faith? Well, I think one of the things, and you, you spoke about the trailer video that we had, and I really encourage people if they go to the website, osbchallenge.com, you know, just to watch the video, it's, it's, it's very well done, but it's also really interesting. You know, I think of innovation in the sense of the hospital system. Mm-hmm. I mean, today, uh, especially in the middle of a pandemic, we sort of think of the hospitals as a given. That wasn't always the case, uh, especially in the Middle Ages where they developed from. Um, so we think about, um, you know, the hospital system coming out of the Catholic Church as a way to care for the poor, care for the sick, those that weren't wealthy enough to have their own private doctors. Um, you know, they would be a place, uh, it would be a place. And you think about the Catholic healthcare system now, um, you know, it's gone through challenges. I really appreciate how you said, you know, the beauty of the church is that it, it holds on to its history, but it also changes as it's needed. And so for many, many years, there were individual orders that ran hospitals that may not be economically viable now. And so you see how many of those hospitals have become systems mm-hmm. um, bonded together to be larger so that they could uh, be able to go on. Um, and I think recently, you know, you, you see some of the movements, um, especially with um, attracting youths, uh, things like focus, um, you know, the discipleship, um, bringing in young people. And we know, I mean, we know, you can read the data that, that you know, we are losing people um, from the church at a very um, rapid rate, especially in the United States. And so, you know, thinking about ways that not only do we um, reach out to the, the gospel, in the gospel message, serving the poor and the underserved, but how also do we reach out and bring people into the church? I mean, I think I read a, a statistic the other day from 2019 that there are 29 million adults that identify as um, lapsed Catholics. Mm-hmm. And you think about that, it's 29 million people that had some exposure to the faith that identify in some way as a Catholic, but as a lapsed Catholic. How do we reach those? How do we bring them back to the church? And so, you know, for many, it, it, when you think about innovation, you know, one of the projects that we had in the 2020 was an app to connect. It was a sort of an app to connect Catholics in cities together that, that as we know, many, many of the millennials and the Gen Zs feel very isolated. And so it was a way for them to start to connect. Um, you know, when you think about, you think about, um, you know, sort of the coffee houses of the 18th century or things like that, where people would go to meet, you know, now some of that is done through social media. Well, where is the Catholic church in that? 
I want to explore this idea a little bit more of connecting people because you've mentioned it here briefly, the relational aspect of innovation that, um, that creativity doesn't come from isolation. Creativity comes from being in community with others and, and bouncing ideas off of one another and, and solving problems together. Uh, at least it happens much more easily in community. What does this community aspect of the challenge do in terms of helping a person innovate more fully? You know, that idea of community was something that that um, was a goal in the first challenge with 2020 was to sort of build the innovative entrepreneurial tribe in the in the church. Um, many times, uh, creatives and entrepreneurial folk feel isolated from each other. And as you said, I think a lot of people have sort of this epiphonic idea of creativity that all of a sudden an idea just springs forth uh, out of nowhere. Um, and what they don't understand or, or what many people don't understand is that 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 um, that creativity actually takes place from many uh, trial and errors. I mean, if you read biographies of like the Wright brothers or, you know, things like that, you know, how many times they failed. And so one of the things in trying to bring this tribe of innovators together within the church, you know, as we, we talked about, we had 350 folks go through round one and then they'll you know, go through round two, and then we'll end up this year with 25 semifinalists that'll go through our accelerator for six weeks together. In that six weeks, those 25 will start to build um, bonds with each other. One of the things that we saw with last year's challenge was that with the 12 finalists, not only were they working on their own ideas and things like this, but in that accelerator and in that opportunity to share ideas with each other, they started to help each other. Those that may have had a specialty in tech were helping some of the uh, folks that may have been more ministry focused and the ministry focus we're talking sometimes about how you build relationships or network or things like that. And so it is part of that creativity. One of the things that as we've done some um, follow up uh, focus groups, sort of surveying of those finalists and even of the semifinalists was one of the things that they all said was regardless of whether they won the challenge or even made it to the finalist was well, that what they appreciated was that they found that they were not alone in trying to work through ideas to serve the church. And I think that is really important. And like I said, you know, sometimes it's easy to think, well, I'm in, you know, X, Y city in uh, uh, this state. I don't know many people that are trying to uh, innovate or be creative. And then you connect with folks all across the country that are trying to do maybe dissimilar things, but but still be creative, be innovative. And you, you start to, like you said, bounce ideas off and you hear things. And somebody said, hey, I just read this article or here's a book that I read or I listened to this podcast and, you know, it sparked this idea. And those are the kind of things, that's those moments that you can't, um, you can't manufacture. And so um, that's really important in creating that innovative tribe. We're talking today with Dr. Matt Smith, who's the Director of Strategic Alliances for the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation. Right now, they're launching the second of their OSV Innovation Challenge. You can find out more about it by going to osvchallenge.com. There's much more to come right after this as we talk about how you can get involved, putting your ideas in and seeing where they'll lead you. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Putnam.
to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Putnam, and today we're talking about the OSV Innovation Challenge. Uh, it sounds exciting, doesn't it? Uh, we're talking with Dr. Matt Smith, who's the Director of Strategic Alliances with the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation. Dr. Smith, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, T.L. You know, we're talking about uh, uh, innovation. We're talking about seeing the problems of the world and and going out and fixing them. And we're talking with Matt Smith. And I just, I, I'm just expecting a bow tie and a fez, but it's, it's not there. You are a doctor, just not Dr. Who. Um, I'm sorry. I disappointed you. That's, TL, that's I, cried, I'll, I cried. I'll survive. <laughs> so uh, as we've been talking about innovation, one of the thoughts that came to my mind was the story of St. Catherine Drexel. She and her 13 companions uh, started Xavier University, the first Catholic university for African-Americans. Uh, she founded 145 missions and over 60 schools uh, to care for the, the indigenous people of the United States, uh, to care for marginalized minorities. And she lived her whole life as an innovator. And now, of course, she is a saint. Um, uh, and I think about how she got there. Right. She went, she recognized a problem and she went to the Pope uh, because apparently she had access. Uh, she went to the Pope and she said, I, I see this problem. There are all of these people, these uh, indigenous people who need uh, assistance. Please, would you send a missionary, send some missionaries over to the United States uh, to care for these needs? And his response was, well, why don't you go? And, and I feel like many of us have that insight. We see a problem. We recognize something that needs to be done. And we're going out in our prayers and in our, in our conversations with others, we're saying, this is a problem. It needs to be fixed. And we don't take the time to slow down and listen to the voice of God or, or, or of our bishop or of our priest or of someone near to us saying, well, okay, go ahead. Why don't you fix it? And here we have the OSV Innovation Challenge that, um, that again, opens up the way for innovation, trains in innovation, and also opens up, takes away obstacles, basically, for innovation. What would you say to the person who is recognizing uh, their, uh, recognizing their place, the thing that, the, the idea that they have to help solve a problem, but they want someone else to do it. They have, uh, they, they want someone else to step up and make this change that they're the ones who are identifying. What would you say to a person to encourage them into an innovative spirit? Um, I worked for uh, a number of years at the University of St. Francis in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it's sponsored by the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration. And their foundress is Blessed Mother uh, Teresa Bonzel. And she, one of her really famous sayings is, he leads, I follow. And, you know, one of the things that we are very interested in at the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation is not only the outcome, the idea that that's very important, but we're also interested in the people that are bringing forth the idea. Um, you know, when we're looking for the challengers, when we're looking for those semifinalists and finalists, we're looking for individuals who, um, as you say, may understand the problem, may know the problem, um, but maybe just a little bit insecure. Well, I'm not the one that should bring forth this idea, or I'm not the one who can um, make it happen. Um, and, and we have had finalists from last year who really began with the sketch of an idea on the back of a napkin and 
took a little bit of risk and and plugged that into the application for last year. And then as they went further along, they began to grow in confidence um, that this idea was workable, this idea was doable. Um, and that's what I would say to your audience who are thinking about applying or those across the country who are listening to the podcast and who say, you know, I realize that here's an idea that could maybe um, help my local community, could help the church, it could change the world, but maybe I'm not the person. One, spend some time in prayer. Think about it. Discernment. But then take a risk. I mean, I really always love that. He leads, I follow. Take the risk. Put that application in. You know, show your zeal, your passion for whatever that issue is. Um, because one of the things that we're really proud of with the, with the challenge is, you know, we're not, it, it's not cutthroat um, Shark Tank. You're competing against each other, though there are prizes and things. It really is about um, helping people along the way trying to find those best ideas and cultivating the people and cultivating the ideas so that they can go out into the world and bring more people to Christ. You know, as I'm talking, as you started talking about that, I had this picture in my mind that we have, we identify this need and we, uh, if we just sit still, then, then that's all we'll ever have is this idea. But if we start moving toward it, we start moving toward the solution of this problem we're going to see and meet with people who are on that same journey. We're going to bump into people who may see the same problem because they're heading towards that destination as well. Um, and, and then we recognize our strength that goes, that comes from community, the, the, that their insight into the problem is going to strengthen my own. And we can then together be stronger than we ever were alone. But if I never start moving toward that innovation, then two things happen. One, I never get any closer. And two, I have withheld from that other person the gifts and the calling and the strengths that God's given me to address that problem, right? So not only do I not do anything, but I prevent someone else from making a significant impact as well, or at least as significant an impact as they could have if I were walking on this journey with them. And so it is, it's taking that first step and taking a leap of faith and saying, you know, he leads, I follow, I have this burning, I have this passion, and I'm not going to just leave it here in the idea stage. You know, one of the other things that we do uh, during the challenge for this, this year during the, for the semifinalists is we also put them with mentors. Mm -hmm. um, and these are folks, we try to pair them with people that, that, you know, in some way are related to wherever their ideas, whether it's a ministry idea, technology idea, um, you know, uh, maybe it's uh, more oriented um, toward clergy, maybe it's more oriented toward the, um, uh, the laity, but we put them with mentors, people who um, maybe have been down this path in starting a, a ministry or, or working in tech. And, and you know, so that, so that these folks, as you said, you know, especially, I mean, we all have our insecurities, right? And we all think we um, might not be able to make it uh, to that next level. And I think what helps people to understand is, you know, with many of, of these highly successful innovators and entrepreneurs is how many times they fail. I mean, I, I, I think that that is a really lesson that, in fact, a lot of uh, people with type A personalities or perfectionists, uh, they don't hear often enough is that it's okay to fail. It's what you do after that failure. And so, you know, you think about um, some of the, the finalists that we had, you know, their ideas evolved and they iterated into slightly different things. And it doesn't mean that 
you know, that initial core idea of the problem they wanted to solve went away, but how they were going to address it maybe, as I said, evolved over the time of the challenge and hopefully will evolve as um, they go out past the challenge. You know, that's one of the things that we're very interested in at the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation to see, you know, with our first class, our first 12 and our three winners from last year, you know, what's, what's going to happen with them, not two years, not three years, not five years down the line. What are those organizations? What are those people going to look like? Yeah. So here we're looking at the, the issues ahead of us. We we're going to step up. We're going to start walking. We're going to go to osvchallenge.com. We're going to put our back of the napkin idea, answer the questions, put them in. Uh, and then what happens? Right. So what, what does this process look like um, to go from step one to maybe getting put with a mentor, maybe getting uh, the, the resources and the capital invested? What is this whole process? How does it unfold? So TL, you know, along with the sort of um, the big picture idea of innovation and things like this, there is a pragmatic part of this, too. And so part of that pragmatism is just really applying. So the, the application is open on February 1st um, for round one. That round one will, will go from February 1st through April 2nd. Um, so there's a good two months for people to apply in that. Um, and we will have a rolling application. So we will start to uh, move people into quote unquote round two, um, where we'll ask some other for some more information. And there'll be a video pitch that people will put together and and some, um, some other information that, you know, but they have that two months. And then um, from March 1st, where we'll start to move people into that round two into May 28th, or I'm sorry, um, yes, May 28th will be with a round two, um, all the material is due, and then we'll move from that round two into semifinalists into June. Um, and then the finalists will be announced, the semifinalists will go through the six-week accelerator, and the semifinalists will be announced in August, the end of August. And then we'll have a demo day um, in September, where we'll bring the 12 finalists together. Hopefully, depending on where we are with the pandemic, physically all together. We did had to do it virtually last year, uh, which was an interesting, uh, <laughs> innovative uh, task in and of itself that we pulled together in about three or four weeks. But um, and it went okay. Uh, but uh, um, but bring them all together and you know have a demo day where they'll they'll have a formal pitch to the to the judges. Uh, for that prize, but we also bring together what we hope are other investors, other foundations, other philanthropists that maybe you won't win the prize, but you'll have other people that may want to invest in your idea. Um, you know, one of the things that people sometimes ask is, well, you know, the idea I have or the organization that I'm just starting is for profit. That is fine. Uh, of the 12 finest we had last year, it really pretty much split around six and six, six for nonprofits, six for for profits. And some of the folks began um, the challenge without really knowing, do I want to be a for-profit? Do I want to be a not-for-profit? And we spent some time sort of helping people discern what are the advantages to being a for-profit or what are the advantages to being a a not-for-profit? And so, you know, really at that osvchallenge.com, you know, there's a timeline, there's FAQ, and then there's application. And I can't encourage your audience enough. You know, if you've thought about an idea, pray a little bit about it. See if it's something you want to bring forth, but take some time, take a leap of faith. So let's talk about um, potential discouragement. P- 
people don't like to be discouraged, right? And maybe they've taken this idea to their to their diocese or to their priest to try and do it in their church. And sadly, not every priest and not every diocese is just really excited about putting effort into innovation because uh, they've been burned before. They've had someone have a great idea and then, you know, push it all on them and, and had to deal with that. But so here you've got this person who's got a great idea. Maybe they've taken it uh, and tried to start something in their diocese and they have been shut down. Um, it, it feels like for some people that the innovation of of the beautiful art of the Sistine Chapel or of the, the monasteries that were built through benefactors, that that age of of support and, and benefactor is no more. Uh, this is, of course, is, is not the, the case, but some people, that's their experience. What would you say um, to not only the person looking to innovate, but to those who are in a place to encourage innovation, what would you say to them about this time in our, in our history uh, to maybe reinvigorate that spirit of, of um, being a patron of being a benefactor uh, for the sake of someone else's innovation. Well, I think I, I think, and I think I understand your question in the sense of you know sometimes folks can run into barriers, whether it be discouragement from um, you know sort of a mentor or structure within their um, sphere that they're trying to operate within uh, to get their idea going or innovation, and sometimes it can be, and you know, and 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 I'll say this, I you know. Um, Sometimes you can be in an administrative management position and you're just trying to keep the balls in the air um, and you don't always have the time to say, hey, that's a great idea. I'd love to spend some time on that. And so part of it, what I would say to people is that's why I come to the innovation challenge. Let's see where your idea can be cultivated, where it can be fertile. You know, one of the things that we do um, is spend some time talking about um, with our finalists and with our semifinalists. How do you navigate the landscape of the church? So you talked about Mother Cabrini, you know, being able to get in to see the Pope. Well, not everybody can do that. I right. thought of St. Francis going to see the Pope to get the order established. But the same thing, you know, he was at first told, go away. And then the Pope had the dream of, of the tiny man holding up the church and he saw it with St. Francis. Now, not many of us are going to have that experience. <laughs> but, um, but you know, we do talk about that, that you can be discouraged, that sometimes, you know, like I said, sometimes there are other things going on in the world that not everybody can be that that mentor or maybe that instigator you need at that moment. But that's where you got to say, you know, sort of he leads, I follow, follow your passion. That's what we're interested to is, you know, we're really interested in people with grit, all those finalists that we had all 12 of them last year. um, They all found places that, that it took a lot to get through, whether it was trying to figure out, do I keep my day job uh, while I'm trying to get this idea? When's that moment I can, I cannot have to do the day job or I should I do the day job or, you know, or I'm the mother of five children. How am I going to have fine time to do this idea? And, you know, it's really, it's really us trying to help them figure that out too. And, and that's where that community comes in too, and that support. The website is osvchallenge.com. Take your idea, fill out the application. Don't be discouraged and see what's possible. We've been talking today with Matt Smith, Director of Strategic Alliances for the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation. Thank you so much for being with us today. TL, thank you for giving me some time. And and I really want to encourage your audience, take a chance, look at the Innovation Challenge website, uh, see what you see, and and hopefully we'll see your idea in March, February, whenever. 
you see the problem. Is it just you being frustrated or is the Holy Spirit giving you some insight into something? You see the problem. Don't just let it stay a frustration, but take it to prayer. Go and sit in front of the cross like St. Francis did. Take that frustration and lay it down at the feet of the cross. Gaze into the eyes of Jesus and see if he will say to you what the Pope said to St. Catherine Drexel. Why don't you go and do it? Well, why don't you go? Go to osvchallenge.com and put in your application. And keep me, uh, keep me informed. Let me know that you've done it because I want to see and follow you along in that process. You can tell me all about it over on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Maybe you'll find someone else who has the same idea and you can work together to bring that solution to pass. Well, if you missed any part of my conversation with Dr. Matt Smith, or you want to go back and listen again, catch something maybe you missed the first time around, or maybe you want to share it with someone else who you think has a good idea that you think really needs to invest and take a chance and put it out there and see what's possible. Well, you're in luck. You don't have to remember everything he said. You just send them the link. OutsideTheWalls.com, they can find this week's episode as well as the whole back catalog of all the conversations we've ever had here on the show. Not only that, but there's extra. Let's say you get through all those 300 and who knows how many episodes and you want to listen to more. Well, we have extra segments with our guests each and every week to help you just dig in a little bit deeper. Uh, Maybe you really resonated with what he was saying and you want to hear more. Well, the good news is we have extra segments available to all of those who support Outside the Walls. And let's be honest, if you're intrigued enough to go and listen to an extra segment, you are just the kind of person who we would love to have as a part of our support community. Our Patreon community helps keep us on the air, makes a way for us to have this show week in and week out. And in gratitude, we have extra segments, a couple extra questions with the guest, a little bit more relaxed, a lot more fun. Uh, And you can catch it all by going to OutsideTheWalls.com and looking up in the top right-hand corner of the website. There you'll see the link that says, Patreon, support the show. Click that link. There's some free episodes there. You can listen to those. Uh, But you can also join that support community for as little as $5 a month to get a whole bunch extra. Now let's go ahead and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. That's the sound of the Verbum Library launching up, and you can get your own Verbum Library by going to Verbum.com. Try it free for 30 days and evaluate it and just see how many rabbit holes you can dive down as you follow all the little paths that it has to offer to help you interpret the Scriptures with the mind of the church. Our reading from Scripture today comes from the Epistle to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, through Jesus, let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that confess His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. God is pleased by sacrifices of that kind. Obey your leaders and defer to them, for they keep watch over you and will have to give an account so that they may fulfill their task with joy and not with sorrow. For that would be of no advantage to you. May the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, furnish you with all that is good 
that you may do his will. May he carry out in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That reading comes from the epistle to the Hebrews. What stands out to you as you hear those words? I've got a few things that pop out to me. One is this. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. What is it that you have? What is it that God has granted you? Not only material resources, although that's certainly part of it, but what are the gifts and the talents and the ideas and the thoughts and the things that have been placed in you by the Holy Spirit for the sake of the church? This is the deal with the gifts of the Spirit and all that's given to us by God is that every gift, every good and perfect gift which comes only from the Father, all of these gifts come to us for the sake of the whole church. Not just your parish community, not just the building that you go to, not even just for your diocese, but for the whole church. God has granted you gifts which benefit the body, the body of Christ, the whole universal church. So don't neglect to do good and to share what you have, because God is pleased by sacrifices of that kind. And yes, it can be a sacrifice, often is a sacrifice, to share the things that we have. It takes effort. It takes humility. It takes hands that hold on to things loosely, realizing that everything we have comes from God and is for the sake of God's kingdom. And then I love this benediction, this blessing at the end. May the God of peace, the God who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, right? Just so in case you're wondering which God of peace, right? May the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant furnish you with all that is good that you may do his will. May he carry out in you what is pleasing to him through Christ Jesus. This is everything. And this is my prayer for you. It's my prayer for me. May the God of peace furnish you with all that is good that you may do his will. Right again, these gifts which come to us, they're not for us alone. This goes back to the parable of the talents. We can't just take that which we've been given and bury it so that we can unearth it at the end and say, here you go, this thing you gave me, uh, I'm giving it back to you. No, it's the investment of ourselves, of our lives, of our energy, of our blood, sweat, and tears, taking those gifts we've been given and returning multiplied and manifold fruit of our labor back to God. And that, all that, that taking all that he is furnished with, all that is good, that we may do his will. Taking that a step further, our reading from church history today comes from the decree on the missionary activity of the Church of the Second Vatican Council. This comes from Agentis. We must boldly proclaim the mystery of Christ. Every disciple of Christ is responsible in his own measure for the spread of the faith. But Christ the Lord is always calling from among his followers those whom he wills, so that they may be with him and be sent by him to preach to the nations. Through the Holy Spirit, who distributes gifts as he wills for the good of all, Christ implants in the hearts of individuals the vocation 
to be a missionary. And at the same time, he raises up in the church institutes, which make their own the task of spreading the gospel that belongs to the whole church. A special vocation marks out those priests, religious, and lay people who are prepared to undertake the missionary task in their own country or abroad and have the right natural disposition for it with suitable gifts and talents. Sent by a lawful authority, they go out in obedience and faith to those who are far from Christ. They have been set apart for the task to which they have been called as ministers of the gospel, to make the Gentiles an acceptable offering sanctified in the Holy Spirit. Those whom God calls must answer his call in such a way that without regard for purely human counsel, they may devote themselves wholly to the work of the gospel. This response cannot be given except with the inspiration and strength of the Holy Spirit. The person who is sent enters into the life and mission of him who emptied himself, taking the nature of a slave. He must be ready, therefore, to be true to his vocation for life to deny himself, renouncing all that he had before, and to become all things to all men. In preaching the gospel to the nations, he must boldly proclaim the mystery of Christ, whose ambassador he is, so that in Christ he may have the courage to speak as he ought, and not be ashamed of the scandal of the cross. He must follow in the footsteps of his master, who is gentle and humble of heart, and reveal to others that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That reading comes from the Second Vatican Council, a document ad gentis. And yes, it's talking specifically about the missionary activity of the church in the traditional sense. So too, as we become innovators, we can be missionaries of the gospel with the gifts and the talents that we've been given in our specific context to show the the glory of God and the grace of God through the efforts that fall to us, through the the charism and the vocation that has been given to us so that we might faithfully, faithfully serve the church as missionary disciples, baptized, confirmed, given the graces of the sacraments, and sent out, as we are at the end of every Mass, go forth to love and serve your neighbor. And let us all say in that moment, Thanks be to God. Again, the uh, the program is the OSV Innovation Challenge. You can find it by going to osvchallenge.com. Take this to prayer. Take some time and focus on what is it that God is calling you to do? What problem has God given you the grace to help provide an answer for? Well, as we close out today, I just want to invite you to come over to my social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls, Twitter, the handles at outside the walls. Most evenings around 9 p.m. Pacific, my wife and I come onto the outside the walls Facebook page and live stream our prayer of Compline together. We want to invite you to be a part of that 9 p.m. Pacific time over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Today's show is brought to you by Michael and Julie Highlands and all those who support the show through Patreon. Why don't you join their numbers? Come over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link. And until next week, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing affright you. All things are passing, but God is unchanging. Patience obtains all things. Who has God likes nothing? God alone suffices.